This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 5th, 2023. Easter eggs, outside and in. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's creation? Here in the sanctuary, there at home, or on the road, or wherever you might be. So today we continue our series on Easter eggs. So Easter eggs are these hidden messages, ideas, images in movies, video games, and the like. Uh, uh, maybe um, Disney uses these. They, they call them hidden Mickeys. If you're at the park, look for, it's simple sometimes, just a circle with two smaller circles, you know, you know that image. And they'll, you might see it in the park someplace, or sometimes they hide them in movies. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Our Easter eggs during this season of Lent leading up to Easter are powerful messages that, uh, that Jesus delivers uh, that uh, we can un- uncover the, the meaning as we explore them more closely. Today, our Easter egg is called Outside and In. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us here and online. We are honored that you took some time away to hear about this outside and in. And I want to give a special shout out to our friends from Wesley Chapel over in Rock Hall. Please welcome them. They brought their youth group and their leaders as they are going to have some time together after this service. But thanks for being here. Anytime. Anytime. Anytime, although we know that what you're doing in your church is very important, so not trying to reel you in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they are um, a United Methodist Church over in Rock Hall, and we've been in a lot of conversation together over the last six months, and it's just good to have you. Thanks for being here. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for your presence, your power, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for gathering us here this morning. It is no accident that any one of us are here today. Lord, open our hearts that we might receive your message that you have shared in Scripture. This is um, some tough Scripture to deal with. Settle us in. Help us have some laser focus on you and the life that you offer. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So say the word hypocrite. That's a great way to start a message. They were a little leery of saying that word, Yeah, there we go. Hypocrite, that's a word. It's derived from a Greek word, hypocrites. I won't ask you to say that. And the interesting thing is what that word, where it comes from, that, that Greek word means a stage actor, a pretender, a dissembler. And so a hypocrite then is someone who pretends, who acts, who says one thing and does another. In the 22nd chapter of the book of Matthew, that's the first book in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus addresses his disciples and the crowd that had gathered with them and gives them a warning against hypocrites. This is Matthew 22, verses 2 and 3. This is from the paraphrase, the message. Here's what Jesus says. The religion scholars and Pharisees are competent teachers 
in God's law. You won't go wrong in following their teachings on Moses. But be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polished veneer. I love that. <laughs> so hypocrisy, it's really not a good thing. And it certainly has done damage in the church. You know, I don't want to go there. It's a bunch of hypocrites. And so Jesus really talks a lot about this in Matthew 23 as a word of warning. Jesus addresses hypocrisy and he's talking to the religious leaders and the Pharisees. The Pharisees are members of a Jewish sect who were distinguished by strict observance of the law. They were so into the law that maybe, no, maybe to it, they, they didn't see some other things that they needed to be addressing. You've heard the saying, the letter of the law. That's what the Pharisees were all about. And they considered themselves spiritually superior, and that was the problem. So as we continue to look at Matthew 23, this chunk of scripture, this is Jesus speaking against hypocrisy, especially in the church. And so uh, right now, I'm going to share from the New Living Translation. Everything they, the religious scholars and Pharisees, do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. So in the book of Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book, of the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, the people of Israel are told the Lord our God is one, and they're also told to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and strength. We're very familiar with that. We use that often here. And then they're told, the Lord tells them to impress these verses on their children and to tie these verses uh, as symbols on their own hands and foreheads. And, and so male Jews age 13 and older would put, would, would, would put these verses of Deuteronomy written on parchment in prayer boxes. They're called phyl phylacteries. In these prayer boxes, and, and they would tie them on their arms or on their foreheads. Uh, uh, Orthodox Jews still that, do that today. You can look it up on like wherever, and you'll see a picture of a like a box right there on the forehead, or a thing uh, attached to their arm there. Um, and it's the reason for that is to remind them of God and of the obligation to keep the law during their daily life. Jesus in the Scripture saying the religious scholars and Pharisees of his day would wear extra, extra wide prayer boxes. So if you've got a prayer box like this or on your arm and you're extra wide, it's like, oh, I'm extra religious. I'm, 
I'm really dutiful. I'm really tuned in to God being part of my daily life. It, it draws attention to that person uh, in order to appear more faithful. Well, in addition, the tassels that they had on the robes, they were reminders to keep the commandments, and they were a sign of holiness. But Jesus is describing that they would wear extra long tassels, again, to draw attention to themselves. Um, you know, it would be like us wearing like this really big, big cross or... A big honking cross. Yeah, yeah. Or to draw attention as opposed to glorifying, honoring God. So the religious scholars and the Pharisees would wear these robes with these extra long tassels and what they were trying to get across was that they were super religious. And the scripture says that they loved to sit at the head of the table. They loved to be addressed as Pharisee or as rabbi. That's what made them Pharisaic, that they really loved all that attention, but that they were considered themselves religiously superior. We're not, we know that all religious leaders were not like that, but Jesus is really trying to make a point. The point being that they appeared to be all show, how things looked, how they looked, enjoying the honor and the respect based on outward appearance. Outward appearance rather than what was going on inside. Mm. So as we were working on a message, I was giving some thought about this, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm sometimes guilty of this myself, this uh, hypocrite thing. I, um, I'm really proud of this church. You know, I'm really proud of, and, and the church is the people, but I'm so proud of the building that we've put up here, and um, sometimes that's to a fault, because Sometimes when we're worshiping in other churches, I find myself secretly comparing. I hear some giggles. Maybe you do too. And, and, and I find myself a little jealous if that building is bigger or nicer than ours, you know. I, I don't like to admit it, but true. Uh, uh, of, course, of course, then I'm beaming when I realize that we're superior in some other way, you know. Uh, it's wrong. That's who I am. I, I absolutely should be, and I usually am happy and grateful for all the churches and all the work they do to bring people to Christ. Yeah, and, 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 and like I said, I usually am, but sometimes, well, sometimes I revert back to me. <laughs> Hypocritical self, and I don't know, maybe that happens to you sometimes. Uh, sometimes we all kind of look like these Pharisees, don't we? So Jesus really speaks against this. In Matthew 23, as we continue on, don't let people do that to you, put you on a pedestal like that. You all have a single teacher, and you are all classmates. Don't set people up as experts over your life, letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You have only one father, and he's in heaven. And don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of them. There is only one life leader for you and them, Christ. Do you want to stand out? 
then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. Mm. And so uh, I do a Bible study every Thursday over at uh, Metacrust there on 299. And first hour is for the assisted living, second hour is for the independent living. And uh, within the last couple of weeks, uh, one of the guys in the independent living asked, he referred to the scripture. And he said, does that mean we can't call my, f- my f- dad father? I can't refer to my own father as father. I went, mm, that's interesting. So I looked into it a little bit. And, and, and what I came up with was this after some research and reading what other people said. You know, um, Jesus telling, uh, as it says, they're not to call anybody rabbi or teacher other than Jesus. Uh, anyone father except uh, their heavenly father. And he goes, does that really mean that I can't call my dad? I never referred to him as father anyway. I think when I was a kid, I, I called my dad daddy. But, but I, I would refer to him and say my father. Uh, but it seems that what we got here is, it's not talking about your father in the day to lay living. It's talking about when you're talking about spiritual things, when you're talking about uh, your soul, when you're talking about eternity, that's what we're talking about here. Not in the day to day, but in in the eternal and the spiritual things, there's only one Father, and that's capital F, God the Father in heaven. And just like a, a teacher or rabbi, it's, that doesn't mean like teaching the little thing, but the, the spiritual things, the, the, the things of uh, the scriptures and things like that, there's only one rabbi, and that's, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And, and like leader. You know, we all, if you have a job, chances are pretty good there's a leader there, right? And... and you recognize that, but we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about life things. We're talking about matters of the soul, matters of eternity, and we're talking about matters of eternity. There's just one leader, and that's God. And see, these guys, these uh, religious uh, scholars and Pharisees, they enjoyed being called rabbi. Uh, they would enjoy being called father. They enjoy, and, and they're talking about the spiritual realm, not the everyday realm. You see, does that make sense? They're, they're, Jesus is saying, no, you can't do that. There's just one, Jesus, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're the ones you refer to. He's making it clear who we should rely on, who we should refer to, who we should uh, look toward for those spiritual things. Uh, and it's, it's only the one. Amen? Amen. So to, to dig a little bit deeper, we've been called to be spiritual leaders of this congregation, but it's important for you to realize that God is the ultimate authority, not us. God's your ultimate authority, not us. That's why we say you need to get into the scriptures. We're doing the best we can to share what we believe God is asking us to do, but you need to go to God one-on-one. People say, oh, I need, I need your prayer. Your prayers, you know, the more of the hotline than mine. You're a better mine. prayer. That is not true. You have as much of a hotline to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, than we do. I mean, it's the same. There's no difference. We've just been called to share the word of God, but... Our Father in heaven is our ultimate authority and needs to be yours as well. Yes, we do have some authority here, but we're not, it's, it needs to be in the right order. And, and it's down here. So we hope that that sounds a little clearer to you. You know, when somebody says, 
oh, great message, or boy, that, that really changed my life. It feels good. It feels like a good accomplishment, but we have to continually get ourselves out of the way because we're depending on God to speak through us. And if we ever think, oh, man, we really nailed it, Alan, that is so not right. That is just prideful and arrogant, and we... And wrong. And wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, my face might light up when, you know, I hear, like, this affected me, but remember, it's always God who is doing that work and, and not us. So to God be the glory in all of this. Amen. Then Jesus goes uh, in the scripture there into a series in, in the words of the, of the New Living, I'm sorry, the New International Version, woe to use. Woe. Say woe. Woe. Not wow. Woe. Not woe. like woe, but woe. woe. Okay. The New Living Translation puts it like this. What sorrow awaits. <laughs> Say what sorrow awaits. That doesn't sound like good stuff is coming next, does it? What sorrow awaits. It's a series of statements that point out the hypocrisy uh, of the religious scholars and the Pharisees, and, and we, uh, and the woe or sorrow that is waiting for them as a result. And, and we'll talk about, we're going to look at three, there's seven of these, but we're just going to look at three because we don't want to be here till one o'clock. So we're going to look at three of these uh, to give you just a flavor of what Jesus is talking about. Here's one of Matthew 23, 23 through 24. New Living Translation, okay? What sorrow awaits you, teachers and religious of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more, more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things, Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. So oh. what he was saying is that these religious leaders and Pharisees were so meticulous about one thing, but didn't pay attention to other things that were really important. They're so meticulous about this tithing thing, you know, got to get exact to the penny, 10%, and... Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't observe the tithe or they shouldn't observe the tithe, but what he was saying is that they're missing out on really big things like justice. That changes the world, justice. And mercy, that changes the world and changes lives. And faith. And so, you know, these things, um, the really important things like the life and death things, the things that make a huge difference in people's lives things, the things that change the world kind of things are things like justice and mercy instead of getting right down to, like, here we go. Jesus isn't saying forget the other things, but don't get so puffed up and um, consider with the letter of the law but we also need to go with the spirit of it. They would strain water through cloth to strain out if there were any gnats in there because gnats are unclean, and if you happen to swallow a gnat, that makes you unclean, that makes you unable to participate in certain activities for a period of time, you see. So 
so they wanted to be careful of that. I am glad that's not true, because I've swallowed gnats riding my bike. It's good we don't follow those rules, because you wouldn't have been here the next I Sunday, know. you know. Wow. But say, but then, you know, then he says, but you swallow a camel. Now, let's be real. Anybody here ever swallowed a camel? You swallowed gnats. You ever swallowed a camel? No. No. That'd be hard to do, right? Yeah. Because Jesus, again, is using what they call hyperbole, a purposeful exaggeration to make an important point, right? You know, just like when you talk about get the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter. That's the same kind of thing, this giant, uh, uh, unbelievable thing. You know, we're going to try and keep it real here, but the point is... Um, the religious scholars and the Pharisees would pay attention to the little things like the little tithe, the right on for the tithe or the gnat and, and completely miss something huge like a camel or completely miss justice and mercy and faith, things that you really need to pay a portion to. They would major in the minors. We want to major in the majors, don't we? Let's say major in the majors. And so we got to know what the majors are, and then we got to major in them, right? Um, and, and, and it doesn't mean that the minor things aren't important. It's, it's not that. But don't, don't spend the majority of your time on that. Spend your time on what's important while not ignoring the smaller things. So the second woe is found in Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean out the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean, too. You hear that, Barry? So outside and in, that's why that bump really was so effective leading into this message. Jesus is talking about appearances on the outside that do not match what's going on in the inside. The outside of the cup, so to speak, it looks nice and clean and shiny, and beautiful, but what's on the inside is hidden and filthy and full of greed and indulgence. And that's what Jesus was saying. That's the point that Jesus was making, that outside really doesn't count. It's what's on the inside. Mm. You know, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Amen? Never. First impressions are important. Like it or not, people often judge based on those first impressions, and those judgments often stick as your church. So, um, yeah, so when you come up the lane into the church, what's the first impression that you have? What do you see when you come up the lane in the circle? You see somebody waving, right? Yeah. So um, we, Sheldon Smith is the, the leader of that team, and he came to me this morning and said, I need more people to help us make a good first impression. I said, wow, I'm talking about this today. So if you can join that team, we want to make a welcoming, 
hospitable first impression. And if you can be a part of that team, when you go out by the sign, you'll see daughter Jen, and they can take your name, and Sheldon can sign you up. Mm. And, you know, people often decide if they're going to, first-time attenders, decide if they're going to come back long before they hear the music or the message, before they even get in the sanctuary, based on those first impressions, that person out there, people welcoming them in the lobby or whatever. So th those things are important, but those things aren't going to save them, are they? They're important because we want to get them in to talk about what we want to talk about, right? That, that's, uh, see, um, creating it, the environment. Right, what's on the inside is more important a lot of times than what's on the outside. The impression someone makes is one thing, but the person that they truly are on the inside is a much, much more important matter. What Jesus is saying here is to pay attention to cleaning up the inside, to squaring away those, those things that people might not see at first, but with time, uh, they'll make their way to the surface, to, to taking care of business uh, on a much deeper level than what it first appears. Uh, you know, he's saying that if you first take care of the inside, the outside will be taken care of as well. You know, what would you prefer? Someone who makes a great first impression on the outside, but there's not much beyond that, you know? Or someone who really cares for people, is a giver, not a taker, has that agape, unconditional love, really giving when it comes to other people, and maybe the outside appearance could use a little work, you know? Wouldn't you love, isn't it more important for that what's going on inside there at first? Jesus tells us not to be a hypocrite, that, that there's more than just the outside appearance, that, that we should be confer, concerned with the inside first, then out. Sorrow awaits the one more concerned with the outside than the in. Um, just a little aside, I, you know, there are people who are so beautiful on the inside that it makes them absolutely beautiful on the outside, even if everything's not completely put together. And vice versa, there are people that are just, oh, wow. And when you get to know them, it's like, ooh, oh, wow. don't look so good. Don't look so good. Yep. All right, here's the third woe, Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Yeah. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Back in Jesus' time... Uh... When someone died, their body was covered with aloe and spices. Remember when Jesus died, they, they went to the tomb with spices to anoint the body. And then they're wrapped in linen and laid in a cave-like tomb. There's, there's no embalming. In fact, uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, Orthodox Jews today, uh, there's no embalming of the body before, uh, before they uh, bury them. Uh, there's no embalming to, de to delay the decay. 
and there's no casket, and there's no coffin, and as such, the body decomposed fairly quickly, resulting in, let's keep it real here, the smell of rotting flesh, the sight of bones, organs, muscles, and uh, such in various degrees of decomposition. Remember that story of Lazarus in the 11th chapter of John where he'd been, he had died and was buried and, and his sister Martha hesitated when Jesus told him to roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb. She, she said, there's going to be a bad odor. He's been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb for four days. I mean, that was reality. And so Jesus uses this image of these really nice tomb, whitewashed, really pretty, beautiful on the outside, if you can call a tombstone beautiful on the outside. But inside, you know what's on the inside? It's not good. It's, you know, the decay. And so Jesus was saying to the religious scholars and Pharisees, that's you. That's what you look like. Ouch. Filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Mm. So here's our takeaway from today's Easter egg. During this season of Lent, this season of preparation for Easter, this season of self-reflection, looking, looking inside ourselves, not looking at the other guy, looking inside ourselves, we would encourage all of us, that's us and you, all of us, to look deeply within and to be on the lookout for hypocrisy in all its shapes and sizes. You know, perhaps we too enjoy a little too much the attention when we get it, what we get, we get here at church when we, we've done a job well. Maybe uh, we like it when others put us on a pedestal or give us special attention for the work we're doing. Maybe we take credit when we should hand it over to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we've been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about judgment. We are not talking about looking for hypocrisy out there. We're looking for hypocrisy in our own lives. It's about us. And that's what this season of Lent, this introspection is all about. Maybe it's that we're too careful when it comes to getting that 10% exactly right, but we are not giving the same detail to what's around us in our lives, that mercy and grace and justice. Maybe we're spending too much time looking in the mirror like, oh boy, aren't I all that and more, instead of looking out the front door toward our neighbor. Maybe we're kind of consumed with um, our own outside look, you know, trying to look really pretty and put together on the outside, whereas on the inside, we're a mess. Well, if that's you, you can check the mask at the door. You don't have to come in like that because we're all a mess. This is a hospital for the hurting. This is a place for healing. This is a place where God meets us. God meets us everywhere, but it's a set-apart place where we can receive, I would pray, unconditional love from one another, but absolutely from God. And it's this sacred space. And so no pretending around here that you're A-OK. -okay. Um, let's just support and love one another and accept each other as we are and just be real and authentic. No hypocrites. Mm. So I guess if we're really honest, there's a little hypocrite in all of us, isn't there? Someplace, sometimes a little bit, he, he, 
more hidden than in others, but there's a little bit. And, and rather than pretending there isn't, let's keep it real, admit it, uncover it, seek God's help in doing something about it. Maybe a prayer or something like what I'm going to share in just a moment is in order when it comes to, to doing a real self-inspection. So I'm going to ask you, uh, to, as we close this out, to close your eyes, to listen to this prayer and kind of try to embrace it, if you would. So let's pray. Lord, I pretend to be someone I'm not. Please help me uncover where this fault lies. Help me be true to myself and those around me. Help me to recognize that I'm a sinner. No pretensions, no excuses. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus, that's you. You and you, you, and you alone can save me. I, I like to pretend that I can take care of myself, that I've got it all together, that I am righteous even. But the truth is, I am broken and I need help. Help me take the first step or the next step in turning my life over to you. Help me be the person God intended when God first thought of me. Give me the strength and courage to dig out those roots of hypocrisy that I can be honest with myself and with others, but most importantly, that I can be honest with you. You, Lord, are my good news. Help me to truly believe that. Help me to truly live that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.